Hey there, this is Steve Kerr, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Stay tuned. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. I'm Dean Hill. See you at ringside. All right, everybody. Welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the show that likes to talk about pro wrestling. And tonight we are down one man, the dangerous one, Dan Colley. He's not feeling well, so we wish our best to him and speedy recovery. But I've got my confidant of all my life here, my brother, from the same mother, <laughs> the plastic chic, Jared Street. Jut, how are you? Good to be here, big bro. Good to be here, big bro. And wishing that uh, Dan feels better and that he's back 100% soon. So Yeah, absolutely. He, We have no doubt that he will be just not filling up to it tonight, and we understand. We're blessed to have a three-man booth here, so somebody drops. Freebird rules. Freebird rules, baby. That's what we're doing. We're calling the freebird rule. And you know, Jut, that's a funny segue. <laughs> Tonight's show is not only do we have to call the the freebird rule with, you know, Dan being down, but also we're talking factions tonight. So we're going to talk all kinds of cool factions from the beginning of factions to the end to what we think is the greatest faction to what we think, you know, where they'll go in the future, you know, so opportunities. Yeah, missed opportunities, all that, and a bottle of Pepsi. So with that being said, I do want to get into factions very soon. But with that being said, I'd like to talk a little bit about some current stuff. You know, obviously, I'm not the current guy. Like we said, he's out sick tonight. But, man, I I think everybody's reacting right now to that MJF promo last night. What a crazy, crazy promo. I am in a lot of pain right now after what happened on Sunday. But all you people want to do is hear me talk, right? That's what, that's what you want, right? You want to hear me talk? I'll talk, but this is Max Friedman talking. Big merger, boss. A lot of important executives here tonight to watch your product. Would be a real shame if something bad happened. I wouldn't want to embarrass you, man. Speaking of embarrassing, you've been trying to sit down with me to hash things out for quite some time now, haven't you? When this company first started, it was all friends wrestling. Everybody was handed a ticket, except for me. See, I had to write my own, because I created moment after moment for this company, and I still get no respect. Nobody is on my level. No one. Everything I touch turns to gold. There is nothing I can't do. Every time I come out here, I am expected to hit grand slams, and I do that shit on a weekly basis. See, all the other boys, they get to settle for being great. I have to be perfect because I'm the only guy 
who is capable of carrying this company on my back as I have for months. It's funny, it's funny I hear booze, but I also hear clapping. Where were you guys this whole weekend when you were calling me an unprofessional piece of shit? You're not the only problem, no, it's the boys in the back too. Cause the boys in the back all want my spot. Well guess what, you want my spot, you can have it. Cause I don't wanna be here anymore. Now let's talk about you fans, huh? You're not fans, you're uneducated marks. You sit there on your phones, tweeting out your opinions like they're worth a damn. Let me explain something to you people. You don't know shit. Your opinions suck. Your opinions change at the drop of a dime. And then you pretend your new opinions are the same as your old. For example, man, I always knew MJF was a good wrestler. Really? That's interesting. Because last time I checked, you guys pretended I sucked in the ring for a long time. And why is that, huh? Because I'm not untrained like all your faves? Because I don't pretend to watch New Japan? Because I don't dump my opponents on their head? Is it because I'm not chasing star ratings, guys? How could I possibly be the best? Well, newsflash, I am the best! I'm the best in the world! Because I'm the only guy who makes you feel. And unlike all those boys, I don't gotta do a bunch of bullshit to get you there. I am a generational talent, and you people take me for granted. But it's not just you, it's the big man in the back too. Here's something he doesn't want you to know. Do you guys know who the second biggest minute for minute draw is in this entire company? It's me! Ask that boy Tony in the back, see what he's got to say. But whatever you do, don't ask him to reach into his pockets and pay the man who's been busting his ass for him since day one! No, 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 no. Make sure he hoards all that money so he can give it to all the new ex-WWE guys he keeps bringing in. That can't lace my boots! Hey boss, would you treat me better if I was an ex-WWE guy? Here's the problem with you, boss. You got a position of power in a wrestling company when the only position you should be assuming is behind the guardrail with all of them. I don't want to wait till 2024, but you don't listen to me, so allow me to make it a little bit easier for you. Tony, I want you to fire me. Tony, don't tell me down, you piece of shit! Shut your mouth! Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fire me. What what did you think about that, man? I mean, pipe bomb 2.0 basically uh yeah. Yeah, he he I can't tell whether it's a work or a shoot. I am I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Maybe I I'm not up enough with AEW. I do watch it, but I don't always right. watch it at uh at the same speed and I don't always pay attention to everything that's said. Right. Um, it's it definitely feels like it could be a total shoot, but then it could be a work. Uh, yeah. You know, some a friend of mine pointed out earlier they cut his mic at the end, just like WWE cut Punk's mic at the end of his pipe bomb promo. Now, was that because he was cussing out his boss? 
and dropping every word on TV for MJF last night. I, I don't know. It's 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 definitely something to watch, and you know it's going to get um, it's going to get eyes on AEW that may not have been there for like a hundred percent. Like me, I'm going to watch and see what happens with this. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, MJF has made no bones about it that he is open to all comers in 2024 when his, when his contract is up, you know, and also here's my two cents. I think it's a work because if it were, if it was a shoot, he wouldn't even have the mic in his hands or Uh, that's probably true. He wouldn't have been able to say as much early on because he was kind of hitting hard, you know, but at the same time, Sasha Banks, Naomi, I feel like it's a somewhat reaction to that. Uh, but who knows? I mean, I, I don't think it's a shoot, but it, the, the cool thing is, is that blurred line. They almost have to blur that line nowadays because, yeah. you know, people are so jaded. I feel like I just kind of sit outside of wrestling and enjoy it for what it is. I, I definitely don't feel like the way that you and I felt laying on the floor at our uncle Eddie's house, you know, <laughs> watching wrestling for the first time. I remember just being blown away by it. And, oh, yeah. and you know, of course we're not going to argue with our father that, you know, Hulk Hogan <laughs> and Andre, the giant <laughs> wasn't real, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I feel like I can sit outside of wrestling and enjoy it. And I, I think probably a lot of the modern fan is like that. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, I'm feeling 100% like this is a work. But again, you know, there were beautiful elements that could seem like it would be a shoot, you know, that could kind of make it make you think that, you know, so. Yeah, one heck of a promo, though, just. Oh, uh, my gosh. Work or shoot one heck of a promo. Um <laughs> I've heard veterans say that, oh, that boy's got the fire. And, and you know, you can kind of almost compare it to like a passionate pastor preacher, you know. Yeah, he, he was not anything like a preacher, but at the same time, he, he had that fire. Yeah. yeah, had that fire, you know. But um, um, he, uh, <laughs> so I, I mean, just, just to add on to a little bit what we're talking about, I've heard he's, a, he's obviously upset with his pay. He feels he's being underpaid. And and there are people who have came from the WWE to AEW and are apparently getting paid more than him. I've read yeah. that those names include Christian Cage and Mark Henry, which Mark yeah. Henry really surprises me that he's making more than somebody that you want to be a star in now. Yeah. You want him to be a star now, but you definitely want him to be a star in three to four years with MJF. I'm not saying taking anything away from Mark Henry or his career anything like that. I just don't think he brings to you what MJF brings to you right now. Definitely not. Can't do it. Can't. I, I don't know possible. that. Yeah. I don't know that Mark Henry has ever brought what MJF is bringing right now. You know, that's a great point. I mean, but, you know, even at his, if he were in his 100% healthy state, it's still arguable that he shouldn't be making as much as MJF in my opinion. But Hey, true. You know, MJF to me is a is a once in a lifetime talent. The line that got me was that line where he said, "I'm not one of your untrained pretend to watch New Japan, New Japan wrestling. wrestling." Oh my gosh! Dropping people on their heads. I was like, oh, "Yeah, my goodness." I mean, yeah, 
Yeah. He was throwing bombs. I mean, like, he was, even if it was all a work and he, it was scripted with him and Tony Khan at the same table. Some of those things were so close. Everything is, you know, as Wolfie has said this before, everything is basically a worked shoot anymore. You know, yeah. it's just the way things are in pro wrestling. It's kind of where they have to be with the advent of UFC and, and, you know, eyes going away from it. There's always going to be that thing as, oh, it's fake and stuff like that. Since I've learned that it wasn't fake, I've never looked at wrestling to fill that reality need for me. But it's fun when it does, you know? So, Well, I mean, I'll say this. Um, I can enjoy wrestling. Like, I can enjoy watching a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or anything totally. like that. I, I don't have to believe that these things are happening out there uh, right. for me to enjoy it. I mean... You know, if you're a big, like, if the only movies you like are historical that are actual <laughs> events or anything like that, then maybe you can't enjoy. Right. Um, Documentary you know, or something like that. But, if you, but yeah, documentaries. But I mean, if you're, if you can, if you can enjoy a TV show, uh, I mean, whatever. I mean, women have enjoyed soap operas for since the fifties, I think, or sixties uh, at least. So, yeah, I mean, if it, if we can't enjoy wrestling for, the fact that, hey, maybe the the end point is determined, but there could be some cool stuff happen between the beginning and the end. Yeah, yeah. Some great stuff. And apparently they said that the security guard and CM Punk chased him out of the building and all this stuff. You know, I don't get, I mean, unless CM Punk is going to be, if he's the new sheriff in town since he's the champion, that's one thing. But unless they're going into an angle, I, I don't know the... I don't know the need of CM Punk going out there to, I mean, it, it almost makes it to me seem more like a work because yeah. not only is okay, son, you think you can do a pipe bomb like I did, you know? Um, I don't know. I, but, I mean, it's, here's the question. If it is a work, if it is a 100% work, yeah. can they turn this stone coldish? Can they create that rivalry between MJF and Tony Khan? I don't see Tony Khan stepping into the ring like Vince McMahon did. He better be wrong. Hit, yeah, he better get on the giz ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, so I agree. Can they, can they turn this into some kind of it doesn't I don't want it to be hundred percent stone cold. That's not MJF's character. Right. But can they turn right. it into an angle that would resemble the Stone Cold Mr. McMahon angle? Which could be I mean, that could be viewership galore if they could do that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that believes everything that the WWE does is bad. Oh, they, you know, definitely seen some success with Cody coming from AEW. Theoretically, I like the freedom that AEW grants its pro wrestlers. Right. But at the same time, if I were MJF, it's just like free agency in any sport. You do you care more about the name on the front of the Jersey or the back. And when you've got a family to feed or you're just trying to succeed in the world at your profession, sometimes you got to give up the team on the front as much as it is romantic to say how much you're for the team. Sometimes you have to think more about the name on the back, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, the name on the front is for the fans. The name on the back is for the players or the, right. or, or yeah. the, the star. I mean, it's, right. It's it's all well and good. We we as fans, I mean, I've often looked at any of my teams from college to pro, and I'm like, why'd you leave early to go to the NBA or the NFL draft, or why'd right. you stay one more year? Well, they're looking out for them. They're not right. looking out for 
they're not looking out for me. They're looking. Right. I mean, right. they may have enjoyed their time with that university or that team. Sure. Um, but they're if if they get a better deal somewhere else, hey, can't blame them. And you know, that's almost like a comment on society at large these days. You know, it's it's more about they care more about the name on the back because everybody has to make their own decisions and live their own life. But there is a time in my life that I would have argued against what I'm saying right now. Care more for the team. The team is all that matters. But I'm a fan of that team or whatever. I don't have to pay the bills for the player, you know? So I don't know. I guess I've gotten older and I, I, I look back a little bit and I'm like, yeah, I get that. You know, yeah. uh, if it's not doing the job, then go on down the road. You know, we're both Cincinnati Reds fans and we know the Reds are a laughing stock even when they're winning because they are existing on a, you know, <laughs> I saw a stat the other day, just to veer in your direction for a moment that, uh, like the Reds started three and twenty-two, I think, and they are actually at one point were the third hottest team in baseball, but they're still like one of the lowest teams in baseball because they started off so bad. But yeah, yeah. Well, give me back my Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> we'll we'll start that one another day. Give you me have back any my other big red machine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about current events wise? Or have we heard any more on who Flair's last opponent's going to be? Well. No, but I do know this. Uh, one other thing before we jump, it, Jeff Jarrett apparently has recently been signed on with WWE yeah. in a high-level executive role. I've read that it was something for live events, and honestly, that makes total sense, especially knowing Jeff Jarrett's promoter. He, he's almost like a P.T. Barnum in his own right, you know, Yeah, his family um, and everything. Is that kind of maybe the role Arn Anderson used to do with WWE? He used to be something with live events. I can't, I guess I never knew exactly. I thought Arn was an agent producer. I didn't know if he was was just an agent producer with live events, but he had something with like the live events because maybe something happened is why he got fired at a live event. He didn't, he didn't pull what Fox or whatever off. What's her name? Fox. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Like something. I don't know if she was on drunk or something or. Yeah. Well, you know, with Jeff, Jeff's perfect for this role. I don't know Jeff personally, but I do know people that do. And, you know, Jeff is perfect for this. What this does to his, you know, current deal. He owns a minor league baseball team. He is in deep with Conrad and the ad free shows team. He's doing something at the flair deal i don't know if it's a master of ceremonies or what what that will do to that you know who knows at least he'll be in town <laughs> for the event you know one way I or the other see, i did see that uh um that wwe is doing a documentary on rick flair with tom rinaldi yeah um, famous yeah. from like espn um, right uh like college football he does a lot of those like stories are like heart like tug at your heart kind of things. It's a, yeah. Uh, apparently he's apparently flair. Wasn't happy with how that 30 for 30 turned out. I liked it, but I can understand there were some shots taken at him. Yeah. Um, well, you know, flair, deservedly or undeservedly. I don't know. Right. What I mean. Yeah. I'm the world's biggest flair fan. You know, I, I yeah. am, but uh, flair also opens himself up to a lot of that. But, you know, with that being said though, flair, it seems like he's aligned himself back with you know his son-in-law. But you know, I, I did want to say something. Since you're kind of like our master of merchandise kind of guy, you're the guy that talks about the action figures. Did you see that 
when Flair got fired or removed from his job, they had recently released a pre-order for a heavyweight title and robe set that WWE was like pre-ordering or whatever. Right, and there was yeah. like only 500 made a hundred of them were pre-ordered already. There are a thousand dollars. It's not like a robe. You think like an Olivia Walker robe. This is just like a, it's a decent level cosplay robe. Cosplay kind of, robe yeah. yeah. And then the, the belt is garbage, but I wouldn't be buying it for the belt. Anyway, I would be buying it for the robe, but it's a thousand dollars. Well, basically it looks like that Conrad and the fellas have bought, the stock from WWE since WWE basically shelved it and now they have it on sale I don't know a thousand bucks I know you can't get an Olivia Walker robe for a thousand bucks but still I don't know man I thought I was a big fan but every day I learn I'm not as big a fan as I thought I was you know so yeah I don't know I mean I guess maybe some people are more willing to go into some debt for certain things like this I'm not sure that's yeah yeah. yeah. But anyway, all right. Well, speaking of Flair, speaking of Jeff Jarrett, they are arguably or inarguably considered part of some of the more popular factions from Evolution to what was that one? They were in, oh, what was, it? oh, yeah, the greatest faction of all time. The Four Horsemen. But before we get into this, and before we take a quick break, I want to put a little definition on something here. So the show is about factions, a.k.a. stables. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it as this, a small, organized, dissenting group within a larger one, especially in politics. Okay, so that's the true dictionary definition of factions. So, you know... Basically, most factions, they, they have to have three, I think, to be considered a faction, obviously. But honestly, to be functional, they can exist as many as six as well. So three to six members is kind of the sweet spot. And again, you know, that's the fun part of it. So we're going to get on to that after we take this break. Be right back. This is Charlie with Give Me Back My Action Movies. And Dan. Join us every two weeks as we dive into the classic action movies of the 80s and 90s. That's right, Charlie. But we also take a look at some of the current films out there that still has those nostalgic feels for us. Exactly. So make sure you find us on all your major podcasting platforms. And check us out over on Facebook. We have a group where the conversation's always going 24-7. We're having a good time. I think so. I'll be back. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famer on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. All right, we're back with Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, and we're talking factions today. And so today, you know, again, we're down a man, so we are a tag team at the moment. But, you know, using the Freebird rule, which is one of the great factions, you know, I wanted to kind of bring up the start of factions. So I would like us to eventually claim and state the ones we think are the best and then ones maybe we can agree that are the best and somewhat make a Mount Rushmore. But to start things off here, the first ever wrestling factions 
date back to the 30s and 40s. They were the fabulous kangaroos or the golden grams where you had Eddie and Luke and all those Graham brothers. And I want to get into that being that you're my brother, you know, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but there, it kind of started out as brother groups and things like that. But in the seventies and late seventies to be specific and early eighties, Memphis had some of the, you know, better factions. You had the moon dogs. And then of course the first family in Memphis, just listen at this amount of guys in it. So the, the original first family was founded in the late seventies by Jimmy Hart to take the CWA title from his former protege, Jerry Lawler. The group extensively feuded with Lawler into the eighties at time, particularly remembered for comedian Andy Kaufman's rivalry with Lawler. The members Norville, Austin, Ox Baker, King Kong, Bundy, Dennis, Condry, Sabu, Chick Donovan, Bobby Eaton, Wayne Ferris, Buddy Landale, Austin Idol, Kamala, Andy Kaufman, Larry Latham, Kendo Nagasaki, Jim Neidhart, Lanny Poffo, Iron Sheik, Kevin Sullivan, Russian Invader, Lynn Denton, The Bruise Brothers, Porkchop Cash and Dream Machine, Dirty White Boy Tony Anthony, Coco Beware, Rick Rude, Randy Savage, Eddie Gilbert, and Tommy Rich. Wow. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Wayne Ferris, a.k.a. Honky Tonk Man. Honky, baby. I love you, baby. Honky, man. All right. Yeah. So Memphis, as things always go, Memphis always really is one of the forefronts of modern wrestling. You know, if you, if you know the wrestler and they were great, especially in the late eighties and nineties, they came through Memphis, even if it was just a minute, but late seventies and early eighties, you had the moon dogs, the Hart family. Then in 1983 and 84 in a little awesome territory named Georgia championship wrestling came a group that honestly was what I would consider the first real badass faction and in called the Legion of Doom. Jared, talk a little bit about them. Well, the Legion of Doom, everybody associates them with uh, Paul Ellering, Hawk, Animal, and that's who you think of. Uh, right. Hopefully, you don't think of what was the puppet Rocco or or <laughs> Hyde, or Heidenreich or anything like that. Hopefully, those aren't the first ones that come to your mind when you think of Legion of Doom. Well. But everybody thinks Paul Ellering, Hawk, and Animal. Yeah. Uh, I'll even include Sonny in that. Hopefully you don't think of her with the Legion of Doom. I mean. Right. Right. Uh, but they, they, you know, one of the uh, the premier members that people are going to be like, what? He was part of the Legion of Doom? Jake the Snake Roberts was, yeah. uh, was a big member of the Legion of Doom starting out. And what was it? The Strangler? Was that? What? The Spoiler. The spoiler, sorry. Yeah, Don Jardine. Yeah. Yeah. And so they had a um, pretty killer stable, I mean, with, with members like that. I mean, Jake Roberts and, and Hawk and Animal are enough, but they also included, um, I saw they included members like the Iron Sheik was briefly in it. Uh, Give me hell, yeah! Right, right. What was the other one you told me earlier? King Kong Bundy as well. King Kong Bundy, right, yeah. Right. I didn't know about Iron Sheik. He might have been in it for just a minute. I, I did, on my research, I did see that he was listed as part of them at one time. Um, but I don't think they were ever, like, I don't think they ever swelled to the ranks of, like, the NWO or anything like that with way too many members. But um, Right, right. They, they had, like, four to five, I think, at yeah. most times. If you include Paul Ellering in the four to five. so Right. 
So after the Legion of Doom, like we said, badass faction, hard to get over his heels as a badass. Ole Anderson always said he had to work really hard to get over as a heel, especially if the team that he was working was not considered badasses, you know? So Mm -hmm. in 1985, Jim Crockett Promotions, quite possibly – you know, I know I read a, li- a list of names off from the first family, from Legion of Doom, but really, when you think of factions, you think... Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, James J. Dillon, Ric Flair, the Four Horsemen, the most powerful name in professional wrestling. And what's funny is the promo that they did it in, they did it because they were running out of time to get everybody on. And it just so happened that Ric Flair, the Andersons, who had been semi, you know, buddy, buddy, because they always said that Flair was like their cousin and Tully Blanchard, who was managed by J.J. Dillon. They were all four out there in a fluke, essentially, is what I've heard. I don't know if I believe that or not, but they were all out there in a press for time promo and boom, you know, Arn Anderson says something to the effect, not since the four horsemen of the apocalypse have there been, you know, you know, there's so many other promos that overshadow it that about by like flair or something like that, that. Right. I mean, do you think that they, we're planning on that or i mean what do you think there I, I i think it's crazy that it just was coincidence almost but i mean they had to be like buddies and stuff like that i mean you, it just doesn't go that naturally that they would just like hey we're the four horsemen you know and just come up like i don't know like Arn had to be like flipping it around in his head at least yeah and just say it or something it, it didn't i can't see that it just like totally maybe Arn was the only one that knew about it or something like that in his head since he said it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no way that it's just totally random. I don't think. I mean, like, right. If it was, right. that, that's like a once in five lifetimes. Yeah. Happening. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, knowing, knowing that and they get together and then they, they wreck shop and basically they fight dusty road warriors, Magnum, Nikita, Rock and Roll Express, they work the the Midnight Express. They work against every one yeah. of the and they would even turn heels babyface. But at the right. same time, do you remember back in the World Championship Wrestling days? That was the name of the Jim Crockett NWA show. That was six oh five NWA. Right. on TBS was called World Championship, World Championship Wrestling. Wrestling. Yes, right. So can you imagine? like being there at that time. I mean, you oh know, goodness. I mean, it's crazy to think about and think about that too, because, you know, Arn has said that he really had to make sure his promos were really good because he was standing beside the, the best Mike guy in the business, not named Roddy Piper, but standing <laughs> beside the best guy in the business. And then, you know, of course, Tully's no joke, but he's not quite, it's kind of like Rick was the best. Arn was second. Tully, then of course Oli, but you know I always liked Oli's promos because they were really just kind of like straight ahead, you know, like I'm gonna break your neck, that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, Oli seemed like that grumpy, tough guy though that could probably do what he was saying he could do. Oh, totally. Yeah, he was believable. You know, like I will break your face, and you're like, yes, you will break my face. <laughs> you know, he he had that T-shirt that 
you know, I, I realize you won't wear it all the time, but at the same time, it would be a great t-shirt to have. It's just damn yeah. I'm good. I just love that shirt, you know, but you know, in other areas of the world, you know, not to stay on the four horsemen too much, although we could talk them the whole show. This could be you the know, whole in, show. Be yeah. Fun. In other areas of the world, there were promotions of WWF or world class, you know, you, in world class, you had Skandar Akbar's devastation incorporated, and that would include various members and are too many to mention right now, you know, then you would also have, you know, Gary Hart's Tex. Yeah. The, now, exactly. That's my question. Were the Von Erics a faction? By default, they have to be. Yeah. So they work yeah. together and they wrestled the Freebirds in three mans all the time. Uh, right. In whatever form it was. Um, the, the Von Erics have such a tragic story. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. but, but they're still considered a faction because they were the baby faces. They got, yeah. If, I mean, when people beat them up or they beat people up, you know, it got the crowd to react. So, right, right. And yeah, exactly. And I mean, in that regard of things, you know, I, I let me just say this before I, I get off on another subject. I find myself more and more watching world class because, you know, we grew up in mid Atlantic. Jim Crockett, NWA, that was our go-to. Then we liked WWF, of course, as well. You know, sometimes we would see some stuff from from Georgia Championship, or we would see some stuff from AWA, of course, on ESPN and things like that. But for the most part, you know, I didn't even get to watch Memphis until I started buying VHS tapes at wrestling shows from guys who had Memphis tapes in my teens. So, you know, when it comes down to... Now, what I try to watch is I'll watch a lot of Memphis just to keep up with talking with Wolfie. But at the same time, I've found myself so much going to world class because it feels to me like I missed stuff by not watching world class because, man, every time I watch world class, I'm like, man, this was great. And, you know, of course, we could see it randomly. I remember it being on TV randomly, but never at the level of the others and Every time I watch it, I really love it, man. You had Bruiser Brody. You had, you know, Abdullah. Abdullah. You had, I mean, so the Von Erics, of course, the Freebirds. You know, you had so many other guys that were great down there, but they had managers too that were excellent. You know, I, I never considered myself a huge fan of the Paul Jones Army. I love the Powers of Pain, but Paul Jones Army to me was like a generic version of devastation incorporated or a generic version of you know gary hart you know to me those were great teams and i found myself going back in my older days watching world class more than i did originally and i know there was that excellent world class documentary that was on that wwe did that was just heartbreaking to watch but you know, that really sparked it. But I found even in my recent years, I love to go watch world class stuff. It's just so good and really holds up, I think, you know. From what I've seen, I haven't seen enough of it. Yeah. They had a, they had an excellent product with what from what I've seen. They used to run huge stadium shows. I mean. It, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, there there is something to be said about how good territory wrestling was in those days. But how robbed you were if you didn't get to see it because it wasn't nationally televised. That's a good point. Yeah, because there is a, a romanticism about the territory days. But again, I don't, I can tell you maybe how much Portland wrestling I've seen and how much, oh, yeah. you know, 
you know, the Guerreros in Los Angeles, you have to really work to watch that stuff, you know? So it possibly led to the territory's demise was the national television because, you know, the WWE, we could count on that being on USA on Saturday or Sunday mornings, you know? And then again, of course we had TBS and we could watch all the clash of the champions and WCW and all that. But okay. So Keeping on with that, WWF, of course, their factions seem to me more based around managers. So, absolutely, you know, you had like the Heenan family, but they really never worked in tandem unless it was like a Survivor Series. Leads me to kind of believe that maybe Vince wasn't a huge fan of factions as a whole. I still think that though. Yeah, Vince. I don't think I don't think he loves factions. I mean, I'm, um, you know, current day stuff. It's I'm interested to see where this whole edge. Uh, what is it? Judgment Day thing goes. I mean, I mean, if, if it's uh, there's been, I'll bring it up, but the Wyatt family should have been one of the biggest factions. We should be talking about them in step with the Horsemen, the NWO, um, right, right, whoever. And you know, they just they got beat too much. They they yeah. should have. They had Bray Wyatt, who's who's not small himself. And then they had three guys around him who dwarfed him. Yeah. And, yeah. and he should have had the strap. Yeah. And for a year, at least. Right. Somebody could take it off. of. Him. And then it would have had to have been in like a hell in a cell that they take it off of him because right. you can't let them other three guys anywhere near or they're not good or it's going to be over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's my rant for right now. Well, hold on to that new stuff there, and they're more current. <laughs> We're going to get to that, I promise. But let's let's do this. So we before we go to break, how about this? Because I ultimately want to lead to the ultimate list of factions, but how about we do this? What are some of the requirements for a good faction? What What do you think? Uh, you have to have to make it a good faction. Is it literally the horseman breakdown of a main guy, a tag team and an up and comer? Is that the perfect recipe? Well, what do you think the perfect recipe for a faction, a successful one is? I think you have to have a leader. Yeah. So Rick Flair. And then although you can have egos below them, unless you're planning on breaking them up really quickly, you need people that can, 100% support that champion. So it probably does need to be a tag team. I think but most of the best factions have had a solid tag team under that leader. Yeah. And then the up and comer, I don't have to have that up and comer if you can make it right. Otherwise, um, right. whether it's just a, a grizzled vet looking for a home or, or whatever that, yeah. um, I think, I think honestly, probably some of the better factions and I could be wrong. I don't think they, they like genuinely, mostly liked each other. Right. Um, they don't have to be like the best of friends, but I, I think when they have, there's no chemistry, uh, whether they hate each other or something, it could detract from the, the faction. Yeah. It's hard to argue with the recipe that the horseman had. It oh, did yeah. appear like, some people are going to write us letters about this, but the brain busters to me were the better tag team than the Minnesota wrecking crew, the Andersons. But then again, I'm not comparing that to Oli and Gene Anderson. I'm comparing that to Oli and Arn where Oli was a little older. Arn was this hungry guy, similar in age to Tully, you know, the brain busters. And then, you know, that being said though, 
I can't really argue that the first horseman isn't my favorite. I, I guess I just want to, you know, the, the perfect recipe, again, if you look into like more modern, you know, later era, you're, you're looking into teams like evolution. So like they were kind of an evolution of the horsemen. So you had triple H taking that flare role, right? Flair taking the Oli role and Dave and Randy taking the Tully and Arn role. And, you know, but then Flair in anything seems like he's still the top dog. Triple H, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? I I, I tell you what, let's let's hold this thought. She hold this thought. We're going to listen to some commercials and we'll be right back with more factions from Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the King of All Wrestling Media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show, and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. Are you a pro wrestling fan? Well, stop by Captain's Corner where you can get autographed photos, cards, magazines, and figures from all of your favorite wrestling superstars of the past, present, and future. You'll also be able to participate in live signings in the weeks and months to come. Make sure to stop by Captain's Corner on Facebook and give us a holler. Remember, cheers to the working man. Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Killboy Kreitz. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> As we drag Kathleen, Hear me. kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. All right, we're back with Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling and factions is what the topic of the day is. And so I cut you off before answering the evolution answer there. Did you have any more to say about evolution? Well, I mean, the way the evolution was kind of presented was, you know, I think they were kind of almost presented like hey, any any one of these four guys can hold the strap. But yeah, of course, yeah. Triple H wasn't probably going to be down for that, and I think that's kind of what led to their breakup. Was that when Randy won the strap or something like that? Or yeah, I I don't know. I I, I can't remember I was, exactly. I was in and out on wrestling yeah, at that too. time. It was kind of like a weird time for me. And so I'm not a hundred percent, but I, I do think Randy won it, but then Batista also won it. And then, yeah. you know, it, it's kind of muddy there, but to me, they seem like the direct lineage of the four horsemen, you know, they are, so, they are, they are. Yeah. Well, anyway, enough about evolution. We talked about the horsemen and then of course, in the eighties factions kind of came and went Heenan family, 
Skandar Agbar's Devastation Incorporated, all those different crews of factions. And then obviously in the 90s, there was a massive resurgence. And honestly, you know, the horsemen through many iterations stayed together in a sense, even when they would go up to WWF, come back, la-di-da, they were still kind of around even if they weren't in name. But the biggest faction of the 90s, and I think anybody would disagree with that, is the oddities. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is, is the NWO. To me, New World Order. NWO. Again, you know, what what I've read, and you may know this as well, you know, Scott Hall said, you know, the idea of us was six was we were the new birds. Then Hogan got put in there. So you've got Hogan, you've got Nash, you've got Scott Hall, you've got six, and you've got a lot of the giants, others. The giant yeah, you've got the giant. Of course. But what I'm saying is, is, you know, I think it's looked back on as a poor decision to put the giant in the. Oh, no, the, it was. Well, you know, but at the same time, the whole reason was, is they didn't have anything to do with him on the babyface side at that time, because it was like, how do you, it was almost like, you know, in Marvel, when the Illuminati shot Hulk to planet Scar, they like yeah. tried to take him out of the scenario so that he wouldn't sway the civil war. Excellent reading, by the way. If you haven't read Marvel Civil War, and I mean the comics and Planet Hulk, you need to go back and read all that. But being, as I said, it was like the giant either was jobbed so much that he didn't mean anything or he needed to be taken out of the scenario. So they put him with the NWO. Of course, he wasn't going to be the champion with Hogan running the show. Even Nash and Scott would have been higher up than him. But, you know, the NWO was really the resurgence of what you would consider factions kind of made him popular again. Talk a little bit about that, Joe. Well, I think that, I mean, you can argue the date, but the day that Hogan joined the NWO, July 7th, 1996. Right. Um, one of the... As far as a day that, you know, a fan like I could remember, it's one of the biggest days ever. Uh, yeah. You see Hall showed up first and was kind of coming out of the crowd in his Canadian tuxedo. And then he, he brought in uh, Nash a couple episodes down the road of Nitro. And you know, they were teasing this third member and they wreaking havoc and got a match with Luger and Sting and Macho at Bash yeah. at the Beach. And then the good guys are losing. Hogan comes out in his red pants, yellow bandana. And then Heenan has a classic line. He's like, yeah, but whose side is he on? And everybody's right. like, what are you talking about? Of course Are you on. kidding? Good guy's <laughs> side. Hogan is in the building! you damn right he is! Go get him, Hulkster! Yeah, but whose side is he on? Go what are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Hulk Hogan arrived. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is oh he doing? God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. He is the third man Look in at this. this picture. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I Probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. Let's get everybody out of the dressing room right now and kick his rear end. Unbelievable, brother. You what just have sold I been saying the all devil. these years? Huh? What have I been saying all these years? Oh, you know, oh my can... God. And then the infamous leg drop to Mach. 
gets the new world order officially formed. I mean, it was uh, strapping some rockets to him at that point as if, as if those three guys needed rockets strapped to them. They, they were anyway. And yeah, and, uh, they had rockets already going. Yeah. But you know, one thing I always forget about is macho man was in the, in the NWO. I hated that. Actually. I wish he would have stayed, but you know, I guess it made was sense. It same kind of, you know, was it the same kind of thing though? With, I don't, I can't remember why he joined is what I was yeah, it's hard to tell. It was probably some swerve, and somebody's going to know, and we don't. But, you know, Macho Man, to me, I guess just had to be because it was a set of WWF-based guys, I guess. Yeah. So being that, you know, the NWO, they had, you know, a massive turn on the industry. At that one point, you either were watching WWF for Stone Cold, or you were watching WCW for the NWO. Whether or not you had Goldberg, The Rock, Triple H, D, you know, whatever, you were still watching pretty much for one of those. So, you know, as we all know, the NWO got to a point to where it was bloated. It was way too many guys. You you had to have guys that could bump. So you put in people like Virgil and some of the lackeys and stuff. And then you had like, you know, Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner. It was to the point to where guys, if they were going to be heel and real heels, they were in the NWO. It was like, you couldn't be one or the other. Now you had the ultimate baby faces too. You had DDP, you had Luger who then ended up being in NWO. You had Macho Man at first, then you had the Horseman, then you had Piper. And then you also ended up with Sting, of course. And that was the one of the most botched, you know, deals with them as well, you know. So yeah. um yeah, when they went into the whole wolf pack and black and white NWO and everything like that, it just I mean, the wolf pack was cool. Right. Uh, and and it is a you know, in some of its probably early iteration, the wolf pack was very cool. And it was at that time it was the NWO to like when they were when they were had yeah. Ash and Sting well, and, and well, I mean, and also that, yeah, we'll get into that in a second of, as far as the breakup of the NWO, but in that regard, they were the faction and within the faction. So, you know, you had Hogan, who's this almost too massive to be considered cool, you know, oh, yeah. you know, but you had the subversive styles of NWO, you know, outsiders with, with Nash and Hall and six pack and all that, you know, they were kind of like the faction within the faction. And that's where they came up with the idea that they were the modern free birds with, you know, the breakdown is Gordy is Nash PS is hall. And then buddy Rogers is six. That being said though, the NWO not only helped WCW immensely, they also helped WWE because WWE had stone cold, but then they kind of got, what I would consider the WWE's answer to the NWO in DX. So if you look at it, DX was supposed to be this like prankster teenage crew, but honestly they were the WWF version of the NWO. I mean, what do you think of that? Yeah, they, they were. And you know, matter of fact, both factions had the same member on the same airing night in Rick. (laughs) Right. He He was with DX on a taped show and was on Nitro on a live show with NWO in the same night, although he didn't wrestle or anything for him. He was just there. Yeah. Of, he had that Lloyd the London deal going. He couldn't yeah, mess Lloyd, that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
He, you know, the reason really Kurt Hennig was able to wrestle, which I still hate, I'm leading to this, but Kurt Hennig turning down the horseman, you know, that was an epic deal that mm-hmm. apparently wasn't cleared with Arn. And, and, you know, they turn. So Arn, Kurt Hennig comes to the WCW. The horsemen are trying to get Kurt to come to the horsemen. I want you to remember me as I was, not as I am. But being the man that I am, my last act, formerly as a horseman, I got one last challenge. And that's to you, Kurt Henning. Now don't misunderstand me, it's not for a fight. You got something special. I've seen you in this ring, your skills, your maturity, your commitment to excellence makes you something special. And what my challenge is to you, Kurt, is stand beside my best friend, Ric Flair, and lead these two men back to the glory and the prominence that the four horsemen once had. And I'm gonna tell you what your prize is. It's not a spot with the horsemen, because this is worth a lot more than that to me. I'm gonna give you the only thing I got left. Not a spot, not a spot. I'll give you my spot. Wow. Kurt Hennig. You know, I know every wrestler that's ever been around or involved in this business we call wrestling who would pass up the honor to not only be a horseman, but to come out and take Arn Anderson's spot as the enforcer of the four horsemen. I have only one thing to say. It would be a privilege. And the horsemen believe that he's with them. And then they do that Michael P.S. Hayes Von Eric spot in the cage match where he slams Flair's head. It was a war games match, right? It was a war games match. And and Kurt ends up cracking heads. And then he turns on to be the NWO. And I just love the idea of Mr. Perfect in the Horseman as this kind of like anti-hero heroes. And of course, you know, He's a WWE guy, so of course he's going to be in the NWO if they're staying true to that. But I don't know. You know, when you get down to it, there's a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas with them. But I guess DX was the WWE's answer. Then DX kind of spawned. It's kind of called the gang warfare era because you had the nation, of course, PG-13 and Ron Simmons and Rock and D-Lo and really all those others. Right. And, you know, they were kind of based around the nation of Islam. I I know they have said different things, but really they were based around the nation of Islam. And then you also had some of the other gang warfares who were, you know, like the Los Bariquas, at DOA, a lot, a few others. I, I can't the, remember. Was the ministry, the ministry? The ministry was kind of doing their thing, the Truth Commission and all that stuff. But it was like this era of gang warfare is kind of what they called it. But it was really cool for a minute because you had these teams of four, you know, fighting it out. And I don't know, it was pretty fun to watch for a little bit. But all of that was based off of the NWO's insurgents in the WCW. Is, is, do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, um, you know, with that, with how we think Vince kind of feels about stables that he never kind of gives some of them a chance to fly. Yeah. There's no way he goes that direction if it's not so popular with WCW, if he can, and I'm sure that Sean and Hunter had his ear and bent his ear and said, Hey, 
let us try this. You know, we like being the smart aleck, uh, generation X punks and let us be the D generation X and be, uh, you know, be ourselves kind of, I mean, some people yeah. would say that's, that's probably how they were. Um, I don't know. Hunter was probably a little more of the, um, you know, Hunter, Hunter seems to have a level head when it comes to a lot of stuff. That's why he's got where he, where he right. is with, with the company. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you this. So obviously we've moved along the path here, but all right. So I want to kind of ask you some questions and I'm going to give you my opinions on them as well. So okay. who, who's your ultimate horseman for ultimate horseman for, I mean, do I gotta do I gotta pick the four that were together? Is that what you're saying? Right? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that <laughs> I can't I piece four together. Uh, <laughs> I like Dave uh, Malenko, Paul Roma, Barry <laughs> Wyndham, and oh wait, you gotta have a flare. <laughs> flare. Yeah. Okay. So JJ Dillon, of course. Yeah. Uh, with Flair, Arn Tully, and Barry Wyndham is probably my favorite four. Yeah, I mean, as far as working goes, I think that's the right way. But honestly, I'm still sticking with the Oli. So my my favorite yeah. horseman is with Oli in it. That's just you're because not, you're that, not wrong though. I mean, I don't think you're right. wrong. You know, I'm just telling you my favorite one. Okay, so the, let's pretend this: the NWO have not split up. Okay, so they haven't split into the red and the white. Okay, so yeah. let's go with this: who and where should they have stopped with the NWO? Um, they shouldn't have brought in. Probably with with that they didn't make him happy. I mean, they probably shouldn't have brought in the giant or six. Is who I was saying because he was never happy. He didn't last long. I can't remember how long he was with the NWO, but it's it's yeah. not very long. And he's back with uh, WWF and kind of forms the DX. But yeah. probably if you if you're looking at me, you gotta have Hogan, gotta have Hall and Nash. And I don't mind people like you know Ted DiBiase is kind of their JJ Dillon. Um, you know, Bischoff, Bischoff was kind of a nice swerve um, when Roddy Piper calls him out as being part of it. Right. Um, you know, I don't hate Buff Bagwell in it. I don't hate, um, probably if you have like those guys plus Buff Bagwell and Mr. Perfect or Kurt Henning, I guess we're calling him. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, I don't hate somebody like Scott Norton being in it to, to take some L's and right. like that. And right. even like, um, uh, Brother Bruti, I don't mind being able to take the L's. I mean, like, I don't know. That's probably too many, but that's that's like a number amount. Probably probably six or seven would be where I would think that the number should have been and would have made sense. Um, yeah. You know, I almost wonder if they didn't add that many people because you remember they were talking about, like, making their own, in, like, instead of Thunder it would have been an oh, NWO yeah. show or something. I, well, like they, well, like they had the pay-per-view sold out. Right, right. So I almost wonder if they had to have that or if they thought they needed that many. And then once they added them all, it's like they were like, oh, last week didn't exist. Now we're going back to five. My personal opinion, and be that it is, you know, argue Hogan, Nash, Hall, Six, Macho Man, and I do like perfect in it, but I wish perfect would have stayed with the horseman just because I love the idea of him and the horseman with Benoit Malenko and flair. Are you kidding me? I guess I should include macho in it because really one of my favorite wrestlers of that, that time was diamond Dallas page. And if it weren't for his kind of, they had the rivalry of the year for, uh, was it pro wrestling observer or whatever, like a wrestling observer they oh, had yeah. the rivalry of the year, like 96 or 90, I guess 97, it would have been, yeah. um, 
and you know, Mach put him over. Yeah. And you know, you know, he he pretty much, you know, ensured that Diamond Dallas Page was going to keep on that route to being a top guy in the organization to give the NWO trouble. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of times I'm the DDP of podcasting. I came into it late, and I work really hard at it. (laughs) That's not a bad thing, though. No, but I just kind of feel like maybe, you know, anyway, we'll get into that later. But, okay, so we talked about the ultimate NWO, the ultimate four horsemen, but let's just make a list here. So, you know, you and I are probably going to agree on the list, but I'm going to give you my top five factions, and then... I want you to give your top five and then we'll kind of see where they are at that. Okay. So my ultimate top five, of course, the horsemen, number two, NWO, number three, the Freebirds, number four, the Heenan family, and number five, the dangerous alliance, which. So, so we've got a lot of the same. I think I've got, I'll have two different than you. Um, but I'm going to say just because of my age, I'm going to put the NWO number one. Okay. And I'm going to put Horseman 2. I'm going to put the Dangerous Alliance 3. Yeah. They were maybe deserved more time. Totally. Super. I mean, Paul E as the leader. Right. uh, Zabisco, Arn, Bobby Eaton, Rick Rude, Stunning Steve. Right. Golly. Yeah. so So you had Rick Rude in the role of Flair. You had Stunning Steve in the role of like the Barry Wyndham kind of. Then you had Arn, early role, yeah. Arn and Tully as uh, were Arn and Larry Zabisco. And then you had Bobby Eaton, which I don't give a crap who it is. If you've got Bobby Eaton on your team, you've got one of the best workers to ever put on a pair of wrestling boots. So, you know, I know that he probably, that was almost like his last grasp at doing much you know i know he had some awesome hilarious stuff with the blue bloods one of bobby eaton's only action figures and i got that you know but that's one of the only action figures that i own (laughs) is you know thanks to you but we (laughs) on paper though they are they should have been amazing it was just at a weird time you know wcw was kind of in flux I've heard a lot of people talk about that era of WCW. It was like a really, it was like if you know you had a cruise ship and you didn't have a captain on the cruise yeah. ship. And so you're like, nobody's driving this very large, powerful vessel, you know? But yeah, the Dangerous Alliance, gosh, man, so great, you know? And then I'm going to go BX. Yeah. And then, then I'm going to go the Hart Foundation, the bad guy version, the Canadians. The oh, yeah. Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Davy Boy Smith, Jim the Anvil, and Brian Pillman. Man. Oh, oh yeah. Golly. Studs all along. And then if you're following that same, you know, you have Brett in the Flair role. You have Owen in the Barry Wyndham role. You have yeah. Bulldog and Anvil in the role of, like, the tag team. Mm-hmm. And then... And then you have Brian Pillman, who you could argue was kind of like the wild card, but he oh, even almost been like a manager in a sense, you know? Yeah. Um, he was the mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was so hurt during that time. And if you've watched that Dark Side of the Ring, that tells you a lot about what he was dealing with at that time. But anyway, that's a great five there. Okay, so let's do our best here to pick the Mount Rushmore of factions. So... You know, obviously, we've knocked out the NWO and the Horsemen, so those are the two on there. So when it comes down to it, 
What do you say of the other two? So no argument, MWO, Four Horsemen. You can, there's no, I mean, it's just, it, it makes sense. Um, you know, if the Legion of Doom had a little more to them, I could put them on there, but, right. you know, such a, such a short time period. And then the Road Warriors basically realized, hey, we don't need, we're badass on our own. We don't need right. these other people, just us and Paul, and we'll go. We'll, we'll tour the world. So I would love to include them somewhere, but I just can't because of that. Um, yeah. yeah. Probably I DX, mean, maybe. DX has DX, to be. I think, probably. Uh, the Freebirds? Yeah. I didn't one list them, but I mean, like. I did. I, I listed them. They were number oh, you did, three. You did, yeah. yeah. You list them. Um, yeah, I, I would say. Them, but, like, I think they have to be on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, like. Yeah, I agree. Because you, you can't put any of the others above them. Maybe the Von Erichs, but again, I, the Freebirds got out a little bit. The Von Erichs stayed in the Dallas area, you know. And they had such tragedy, you never got to see what a full-fledged, like, 10- to 15-year run of Von Erichs could have been like. Right, but I've heard during their time, it was there was nobody like it, you know. So they love them, some Von Erichs. I've heard they even talk about them to this day. But, yeah, I think the Mount Rushmore, you know, so we're giving this our stamp of approval. Now, I'm going to do Dan Colley's top four here. So he would pick DX, the Bullet Club, (laughs) (laughs) the Straight Edge Society, Society. and the new Nexus. No, the The new Nexus was CM Punk as the leader. Yeah, the new Nexus. No, hold on. Let's redo this. Okay. Yeah, the, the Jericho Appreciation Society. You know what? You just made the list. The Blackpool Combat Club, right. the New Nexus, the Straight Edge Society, and then the one with the Taker and the Acolytes, the Ministry uh, the of Minister, Darkness. The, the Ministry of Darkness. Yeah. So that's the Dangerous Dan official stamp of official. <laughs> no disrespect. It's just funny, man. So, yeah. Anyway, being that. You know, we bring up some of those names. What are the worst factions of all time? Mm. I'll start. I'll start. Okay. The Hollywood NWO. It had yeah, Scott whatever. Hall in it. I think it, but think about it. It was like Wasn't the, a struggling Scott Hall, though. That was a struggling Scott Hall. It was definitely, was. and they almost couldn't put him in the Wolf Pack because it would have made the Wolf Pack, the NWO, just baby face, straight baby faces. Like, because think about it. They had Sting, Luger, was Macho in the. Wolfpack? Who I don't knows? Think he was. That's oh, no, Macho. Yeah. No, Macho wasn't a Wolfpack for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then you had Kevin Nash, probably one of the most charismatic wrestlers. You know, the guy never raised his voice above a certain level, and he was just big daddy cool. You know, you, you almost couldn't put Scott Hall in that faction because the Hollywood NWO would have came across as lame because then you ended up having like Stevie Ray and yeah. Uh, buff and you know it was that was a poor crew so that's the number one worst faction in my opinion is the hollywood nwo but then you had teams like the truth commission which was garbage like that weird like colonel de beers looking crew of south african basically like apartheid soldiers (laughs) i mean general erection yeah (laughs) that oh good one i didn't think of that one that's on the list for sure i had the oddities which god love them you know Uh, right to censor 
Raven's flock. Literally, think about it. I loved Raven's flock because I liked Raven. I liked Sick Boy and I liked a lot of them, but they were horrible. They got jobbed to Goldberg every week, you know? Raven's flock was wrong place, wrong time. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. They should have they should have been they should have been killer. They are they are on my missed opportunities list. Um yeah, go ahead with your list. I'm sorry. And then right to censor. That was just an annoying faction of people I didn't give a crap about, you know. But um, could have been good. Totally, totally. They needed a lead they needed a leader in that. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then but they but I, I heard I watched something earlier that said, you know, that shows you how still you can get over your bottom guys kind of right. still get them TV time. Yeah, totally. I like it. And that's a good point. So go into your missed opportunities. I'd like to hear this list here. So missed opportunities. Well, I'll give, I'll give you some of my worst ones though, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think, I think my worst ones are going to be missed opportunities ones. Sure. Um, for the most part, do you remember the revolution in late days of WCW Shane Douglas, Perry Saturn, yeah. Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see Benoit left not long after that. And Man. then they brought in Asia, which was a China knockoff, basically. <laughs> that uh, that uh, Vince Russo, you know, really wanted. And then it just, you know, they kind of tried to make them DX-like. And Malenko is not DX. I'm sorry. No. You no. know, Shane Douglas and Saturn Mike could play DX roles. But not, not Dean Malenko. <laughs> it's, yeah. So there's missed opportunity there. And then they did get kind of uh, that same group to the most part, except no Shane Douglas. You got Benoit, Malenko, Saturn, and Eddie Guerrero um, show up in WWF as the uh, <laughs> uh, the um, radicals. Yeah. Okay. And, and they- uh, so you basically had that same group with except no Shane Douglas. You had Malenko. Benoit, Saturn, and Eddie Guerrero. Right. Um, and there are rumors that Shane Douglas wanted to be there with them. And maybe WWF. Couldn't be. Right. Yeah. I think WWF was like hard pass. Yeah. But, but they were the radicals. But then their first, they showed up at Raw and then they were on SmackDown and they lost all three matches they were in. Yeah. How can you bring in those guys and make yeah. them lose all three matches? That's just Vince's way. It's like you came in, you're coming in all big time, big shots. The people are interested in you. We're going to job you out. <laughs> yeah. And then another one, the Alliance with right. ECW and WCW. That was terrible. That yeah. could have been so good. Could yeah. Been so good, but it was terrible. Well, you uh, know what I think made it bad was they put the two factions together which they hated each other if you remember old ecw promos they hated wcw yeah so it didn't make any sense for them to be together the unfortunate part of that alliance is that ecw went out at the same time as wcw in my personal opinion because if ecw could have kept going for a little longer and then came in later after that got settled And then the other thing obviously they didn't buy out any of those turner contracts and why would they? Yeah, so all the big guys weren't there. I mean, so you didn't have Sting, you didn't have Steiner, you didn't have Hall Nash. Who knows if they would have even been in that? You didn't have Hogan, you didn't have Macho. I mean, you didn't have anybody that was anywhere near Booker Goldberg, T was the biggest star. Big Booker yeah. T was the biggest star. You didn't even and have Rey Mysterio. You know what I'm saying? No. Oh so, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then you so, had Jericho. 
who was on the WWF team. Yeah, I agree. I we could I think we need to have a alliance episode sometime and you know, we could talk about that till we're blue in the face, but I agree that is definitely a missed opportunity 100%. So Yeah. You got um, any more of those on your list there? The Nexus I think is a missed opportunity. I mean, you right. know, they you, you bring them in and then job them out to John Cena just feed him. I mean, and I'm not saying anything. I'm not trying to trash John Cena here. I'm just saying that that you bring in these guys and they look like they can be a. I mean, there's like eight of them. They're eight deep, right, or something like that. But they and were they working get, as a team. You know, they were like this yeah. one. And you know, Shield came in, and I remember when the Shield came out, they had that Nexus energy. You know, it was that same vibe of like come in, destroy, and leave, and come out of the crowd or whatever. But Nexus were like you said, they were eight deep. It was believable that eight of them. But then you had Super Cena beat the crap out of yeah. all eight. You know, yeah, it's funny to me to think about that stuff. But yeah, go ahead. Keep you got any more there? Oh, uh, you. I mean, are you wanting missed opportunities or are you wanting? Um... <laughs> Well, we'll get into modern here in just a second. So if you have any more missed um, opportunities. Maybe one more missed opportunity. Um, you know, I don't watch I don't watch a lot of TNA, but three I can think of three things that I've seen enough video on that I think they're all three missed opportunities. Main event mafia, yeah, Sting, Kurt Angle, uh Booker T, Kevin Ash Scott Steiner. Right. Dang. I mean and then yeah. Fortune, Fortune with Rick Flair coming in. You had AJ Styles, James Storm, um, Nigel McGuinness was in it. You had Nigel beer money. McGinnis, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one of the best clips pretty much ever for the longest time out of TNA with Jay Lethal and Ric Flair going back and forth. <laughs> about the four horsemen the greatest group of men to ever grace god's green earth i didn't hear that because as far as i'm concerned it looks like the horsemen were here they took a dump in the ring and they left that i had the privilege to be on the road up and down Late nights, parties, kissing the girls, and making them cry with the horsemen. You guys, as far as I'm concerned, are no horsemen. That is disrespectful to me and this wrestling business. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? Why'd you, nature boy, not that piss-ass Jay Lethal? Hey! That's right. What? Come on, Duck brothers. Tins. Let's see what you got. You can Let's throw see your Rolex. Let's see what you got. You Come can on. throw all your clothes away, Rick. Come on. Let's throw see what you got. You want, you want to see something? Yeah. Let me show you something. I want to see it. Yeah, it's got one shoe on, you by the way. You want to see it? Yeah. You want to see it? Yeah. Watch this. He is driving for nuts. right there is the greatest thing you can ever see. You can't be me. You can't do me. And I'm cutting you off right now. You're cutting You're me cut off. off. Yeah. You don't cut me off. Woo! Hey, don't you start that with me. Woo! Woo! Don't you be upset with me. Run. Jack Flood. Kiss Steven. Wheeler Dealing. Son of a gun. That could kiss any woman right here. Even that fat one. And make her cry. Big man. Don't get me wrong. Don't you be upset with me. 
tore Old Space Mountain down. Don't be upset. But hey, because, hey, because of hey, Rick, oldest ride, oldest ride, longest line. Woo! Woo! Well, Rick, thanks to me, Space Mountain. Yep. See what you got, man. Let's see what you got. Is the other shoe drop? You know what, Demet? This is insane. You want to see something? You know what? Woo! Right now. Woo! 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 Rolex word, kid stealing, brother. Watch this, girls. Woo! You honey. Woo! Yeah, you honey. That ride has been shut down long enough. You want to know what she told me? She said, "Hey, I tried the old guy. Young guys are much faster, stronger. Hey, and there's 60-minute men, Betty." Wow! 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 She told. You don't know what 60 minutes is. You don't know what 60 is in the bedroom or the ring. You got it. You want me tonight? Yeah. You I, got it. We want you all night long. Tonight, you're going to find out that jumping on is a lot easier than jumping on. Wow. That's my line. 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 Come on. Come on. We're still Flares line. He's told about ten of Flares lines. That's my line. That's my line. I mean, that's that's a well, that's a top notch like thing ever for TNA. Oh, totally. And then and then aces and eights. I mean, it's got a it's 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 it fell, it fell down the NWO hole and got too many members. Right. And um, right. you know, Bully Ray probably was doing a pretty good job as their leader and mouthpiece, but. You had too many members and they lost too many matches. I mean, a faction, that's another thing. A faction can't lose too many matches. Yeah, it can't. So if, if they're not central enough to the story that they're going over, then it's almost to the point of like a Nexus or like a Aces and Eights or like a Hollywood NWO where they're bumping and feeding for everybody and, you know, losing. Why are they a faction if they suck so bad, you know? I got one, I got one more and it goes more modern. But League of Nations... Seamus, Rusev, Alberto Del Rio, and Wade Barrett. I mean, got four four champions. Four. I don't know. Did Rusev ever? I don't think Rusev ever had the world title. But four champions in WWE. They, they can't win a match. Right. Like, so like name they, that. These guys are all foreigners. And, again, that's a little bit of a blurry state there. But for some reason, I was thinking Cesaro was in that same crew. But yeah, and maybe he just made sense to be in that group. He would make. I mean, he wouldn't have been like incredibly like out of place yeah. there. Well, you're leading us in a good direction here. So how about modern factions? So, you know, we've got what I would say, arguably, if they were based in any other promotion, it may not be working as much, but it may be even bigger is the bullet club. You know, again, MJF's promo. I haven't seen a lot of bullet club stuff. I've seen a lot of clips of the bullet club you know yeah. they've been through so many leaders iterations you had 
you know, Finn Balor, you had Prince Devitt, was it Prince yeah, Devitt? Prince Devitt, uh, Finn Balor, Carl Anderson, AJ Styles. You even had Jeff Jarrett in it. I mean, Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega. What's the dude My, now? Jay, what's Jay, White, Jay White. Yeah. So you've had all these guys that kind of have been the leader, but you know, you've had this base of, of Haku's kids and then bad luck Fale. Anyway, you know, they were huge. I think it's pretty much gone or I know they're still around, but I think it's pretty much watered down now. And, you know, but I remember everywhere, if they weren't wearing a bullet club shirt, it was wearing someone like a Ricky Morton, a mullet club, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean the bullet club, you know, has always, you know, have been intriguing. Like, Maybe they wouldn't work anywhere else. Maybe you think, what if AEW was there and they could have really been in AEW all this time? I mean, right, man, that yeah. that could have been that could have been killer if they could have kept it together. They probably have a little too many members for my taste too. Yeah, um, but right. the fact that that they were able to switch leaders two or three times easily, they I mean, because they, they went from Prince Devitt, I think, to did they go to Carl Anderson or AJ Styles? Was it Prince Devitt, AJ Styles? Yeah, and then Kenny Omega, kind of three leaders right there in a row, and I don't really think they lost a step for yeah. those three. They might have even got stronger. Stronger, from, yeah. yeah. I mean, because as much as people like Finn Balor, Prince Devitt's work in Japan, I mean, like he left, and then AJ was kind of. I think it even got AJ bigger. Was a name, right. AJ was a name in the states, even though he was, you know, in TNA for too long, and um, you know. You know, Vince McMahon, I saw a video of Vince McMahon told him, I wish I'd signed you 10 years ago in 2016. So, yeah, well, you know, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, you talk about the Vince McMahon, you've got the shield, you've got New Day, you know, Vince to me seems to really like, yeah, Undisputed Era. You see, Vince seems to really like trios more than four or more but then you've got aew seems to have a new faction every day so you've kind of got that element there either they're loosely affiliated like this current punk ftr deal or you've got you know like you say the teams that are like the inner circles or the jericho appreciation societies and stuff like that you know i personally love factions yeah I i have two complaints about the current product aew does too many factions WWE doesn't do enough. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because you think the WWE has so many people, you would think they would utilize that more. And I think AEW knows they have too many people as well. And they, like you said, kind of wear it out. Yeah, the House of Black, they make sense. You know, the death triangle, that that kind of makes sense. But then you've got like the Hollywood, what are that crew with? What's his name? Like Dolph Ziggler's brother and Peter Avalon and that crew. Yeah. Uh, just, I can't make it. I know what you're talking about. It doesn't matter what their name is. But anyway. It doesn't matter what your name is. Yeah. yeah, Drop that. So, okay. I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we might see if there's any kind of action figure faction or faction figure. Anyway. We'll be right back. We're going to go see the plastic sheet. <laughs> Welcome to the Monster Movie Stomp Down with me, Stompy, and my brother, Frank. Hi, I'm Frank. Join us, Sludge, Mark, and Ruben, three times a month as we review monster movies from around the world. And don't forget about the monthly contest and Triple Not only that, Frank, but you will find extra content like The Underdogs, 
Monster Mash Wednesdays and the Friday Night Fights each week exclusively on our Facebook and Instagram. So please join us at the Monster Movie Countdown. Your one-stop chomp for monster movie reviews, news, interview, trivia, laughs, and of course me, Stompy and Frank. Hey, this is the one-man goldmine, the one-man enterprise of professional wrestling and all entertainment, Flynn Hendricks. And you better believe when I'm looking for a good podcast to listen to, I go to my own. I go to the I Know You Hear Me podcast hosted by me, Flynn Hendricks. That is such a fresh perspective for how you should look at life, too. Like, I just, I love that. And then when I'm feeling spooky, I go to my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, where myself, I want my head shoved inside a 15-pound silicone mask more you know i want to have a bucket of sweat coming off me at the end of the night and just jeff dogs don't lay eggs <laughs> i hate you so much talk to other scare actors about what it takes to get into the world of scare acting so if you're curious about how people became professional wrestlers actors prioritized their mental health became entrepreneurs avoided burnout or got into scare acting, you need to go check out I Know You Hear Me and Tales from the Haunt. Available on all podcasting platforms. And I know you hear me. I can figure. All right, we're back with Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And we're talking factions today. Now, we're going to welcome in the always popular give me back my pro wrestling action figure segment. All right, Sheik, tell us a little bit about faction figures. Well, we're operating under Freebird rules tonight with me, uh, me in place of yeah. Dan. And, right. Uh, so no better where to start with faction figures than with uh, the Remco Freebird line. Uh, From Remco. Oh yeah, you know, great. The soft good robes and everything like that. Uh, you know, likenesses could be better, but it's 1985 at that point. It's they don't have right. the 3D rendering software that they have now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but they're not. They're not. I love the figures. I have them. Uh, I don't know that I have all the robes and everything like that, but I have all three of the figures. Um, it, it's a nice little grouping have especially at that time period so yeah great great crew you know yeah and you know there's the the lod set naremco if you want to include paul ellering looks like a wrestler in his buffed out state naremco line so (laughs) (laughs) his gassed up most you know so his his he-man physique Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they were a trio in that. So that kind of counts. I mean, if you had like a Jake, the snake Remco and a, a iron Sheik Remco, which they have a knockoff Sheik Remco, don't they? They do. We probably even had that. (laughs) I had that at one. I may still have that. that Yeah. I know I've got the knockoff Jimmy Superfly Snooker Remco. Yeah. And the knockoff Andres Remco. What about the Hogan one? Do you have that one? Looks like I've Randy the, Hogan. <laughs> I've got the I've got the uh, the Hasbro knockoff Hogan. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I've there's the, the I do have the Thunderlips Thunder Hogan. Yeah. I do have the Thunderlips Hogan. Yeah. 
not quite to scale, but kind of to scale. If you think about it, you know, yeah, so, probably more to scale than the other Rimco are, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you got anything else about faction figures? Uh, you know, they have a, you know, if you're looking for more modern stuff, they do have a killer undisputed era, um, like three pack that I only saw in stores when I was in Canada visiting it, like a Toys R Us. Uh, yeah. And I probably should have bought it then, but, um, I, I'm not like a huge Undisputed Era fan. I thought they were, you know, sure. pretty killer, pretty killer in NXT, right? Uh, w- with Roderick Strong and everything as the four piece. They, they they really they really filled out that Horseman role pretty nice as the having the champ, the tag champs, and the the under champ. So right, right, and yeah. it, and, and, there, and there's a sweet like Hall of Fame Mattel uh, four Horsemen set that's all together. That's Oh but, yeah, uh, Flair, Arn, Tully, and Barry Windham. I'm pretty sure is in that set. The one of the first four pack for the Four Horsemen I remember was at the San Francisco or when it was Marvel or San Francisco Toy Makers. I think it was Marvel was making the WCW figures at this time, and you had Flair who looked like an anime character kind of. Then you had oh, Dean, yeah. you had Dean Benoit and Mongo in yeah. that set, was and that, yeah, that was the. I was trying to figure what brand it was. I can't remember. It might be San Francisco. It might, I could be wrong, but I remember having that set and, you know, many girlfriends past had made fun of it. And I just kind of said, well, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't need this around, but anyway, <laughs> hate that I did that now, but you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so there have definitely been some good faction figures, especially if you come down to, like, current standings of, of things. That, you know, I, I would love to see something like a, a Jericho Society. If there's a Jericho, there's a very much room for any of those um, those factions in AEW to have their own set because there's a set um, – I saw at Walmart the other day. Basically, you would buy them individually, but it's all the Dark Order with Brody Lee and, and all yeah, those. Yeah, but I like how AEW does that because they basically split them up. So you don't have to drop yeah. down 50 large to buy the set. You can buy them separately. And if you don't want a number 10 or whatever, you don't have to yeah. buy that, you know, which AEW is cutting a lot of those guys. So the, a lot of the dark orders getting cut, it seems like, I think there's been right. three of them that have been cut. So who knows? Well, they're, they're kind of a leaderless faction. So they are, and it, you know, it stinks for them, but the biggest one that I care about is Colt Cabana. And as long as he's got a contract, I'm happy with about everything. So we're good. Well, one of the do longest, do you think the locker room is a little, Awkward with CM Punk and Colt Cabana in it sometimes. I wonder because they still aren't buddies. I don't know. No. Yeah. And, and, I don't think you so know, I'll say it. Punk screwed Cabana over, man. But at the same time, it was the lawsuit deal, right? Yeah. Because, the lawsuit, yeah. Yeah. He kind of left like Cabana bare to have to pay part of that, where. It, but it, it was also arguable that Punk got numbers for Cabana by doing that on his show. But I think what Cabana's part was that he let him get sued and didn't really help him 
because yeah. obviously he didn't have the kind of scratch that Punk does, you know, in the wallet. So I don't know. It was definitely some hard feelings, you know, and hate to see that. But I agree. I bet they just kind of, I'll say this. I don't think they'll ever have an angle together. Let's just say that. <laughs> Probably not. Not at this point, yeah. at least. Yeah. yeah. I've seen guys in locker rooms that didn't like each other. They just kind of exist. They're not going to start a fight because they don't want to get fired. But at the same time, you know. Anyway, well, that being said, I guess let's wrap things up unless you have anything else to say about the action figures. No, that's it, brother. Figures sold separately. We've missed some people, obviously, so don't write any harmful letters or send any MJF pipe bombs to us. <laughs> but if we've missed anyone, go on to our Facebook group called Gimme Back My Pro Wrestling. Go on there and let us know who we missed. We'll talk about them another time. We've also got the Facebook page, Gimme Back My Pro Wrestling. We've got Twitter and Instagram at GMBMPW. We also have the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube page, which focuses mainly on the podcast episodes and the always famous and popular until WWE removes them, Sheik's shorts. So, you know, we're not stopping that, by the way, WWE. So you can either get on board or just keep blocking them or whatever. But it's just kind of a dick move there, Fed. I enjoy destroying lives but anyway you know always love to thank all our friends and podcasting we've got gene and the cheap heat tv podcast network we've got nick and captain's corner but just in case you don't already know we're part of a network it's called the give me back my podcast network i think you need to go on facebook and type in give me back my podcast network cool thing about that page is is it directs you all of the other podcasts we have good beer bad movie night we have monster movie stomp down we have i know you hear me and tales from the haunt we also have the fellow named as give me back my action movies and give me back my horror movies recently give me back my action movies released a roadhouse episode that is not to be missed the only thing that i think the fellas missed is i wanted to ask the comparison of when dalton has to choose between his love or his best friend it seemed eerily similar to what the joker made batman choose between his love or harvey dent and either the fellas didn't think of that or didn't bring it up but anyway i would like a just a small comment on that action, fellas. Nolan might have taken something from Roadhouse. But either way, Roadhouse, man, what a great movie, right? Gotta love the throat rip. Yeah, the throat rip. They spent like 30 minutes on the throat rip. So the action <laughs> podcast is one I do not miss ever. And honestly, they they really focused on the throat rip. It was awesome. Did they give the Jeff Healy band some love? Oh, yeah. Nate brought up Jeff Healy. Also, Polar Bear fell on me or whatever, yeah. Turtle or whatever his name was. Yeah. Anyway, but, you know, I just want to thank you, Judd, for being on the show. You know, thank you for filling in where, you know, Dangerous Dan not feeling good tonight. So thanks for stepping up with me and helping me out with this. But other than that, we love y'all. We thank y'all for listening and check back with us next time on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Fight Forever. With a tear in my eye this is the greatest moment in my life
This has been a James Rock Street production.